Oh, Father, we thank you for, uh, for this couple, Lord. Uh, but, Lord, we, we thank you for what you've placed in Nicole's heart to share this morning, Lord. And, Father, again, we don't, we're not receiving from a person. We want to receive from you, Holy Spirit. But we trust you, Lord, as, as, as Nicole, as she is a yielded one, Lord, her heart yielded to you, God. And, and that's always a process, Father. But we just trust you, Lord, to, to speak your word this morning, that living rhema word that will bring life to us, Lord, that will convict us of areas of death that we're in agreement with, Lord. We just want to fully come into agreement with your word because in agreement there is power, there is freedom, there is life for us and for others, Lord. So we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here, that you are present in us, that you are amongst us, Father God. And Jesus, we just acknowledge you. You are the head of the church, Lord, globally. You are the head of this church locally, God. And we submit ourselves to you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. How are we all? The language of love. Who can guess what that might be? Don't be quiet. <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. When I thought about it, I was like, that was the song that came to me. <laughs> Power of love. Yes, Ruth. What was that? Sorry. Uh, kind of, yeah. No, I'm asking for what a language, the language of love between us and the Lord is. Shh, shh, shh. <laughs> it is prayer. It's Christianity 101. It's back to the basics. Um, I don't know if any of you have had the opportunity to check out this book that Rachel recommended. Was it last week you mentioned it? Epically amazing and challenging. And even in preparing this, um, like I'm, you know, only one or two chapters in, but just so challenged even in my own personal prayer life. So what I'm going to be covering today, hang on, I just want to tell you something. It's cooking after that worship. Sorry. Come in freezing, and then you cook. Yeah, have your workout. So what I'm going to be talking about is our personal prayer life, and then I'm going to talk about corporate prayer, and then touching on intercession. I want to um, demystify intercession a bit. Okay? All righty. Let's go. All right, so what is the goal of prayer? Anyone? 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 No, it's the goal. To hear God, yes. Relationship, yes. Go, Deb. Yeah. It's to know him as we are known. And that scripture's in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12. That's one of my favourites. I know I've mentioned it last time, and I probably will mention it every time I speak because it's like a ha one for me. He is our first love and part of keeping him in that position of first love is our prayer life. <laughs> it's very deep. <laughs> so what is prayer? So prayer becomes like a conversation between God and ourselves. It's, um, 
it's, a, it's an, this amazing process when I actually stopped and thought about it. It was not just a conversation that we have with him, but it's also a development of ourselves because it actually brings us into maturity as a Christian, maturity as a person. Um, healing happens in prayer. Deliverance happens in prayer. Connection, he, getting to know his voice, what it actually sounds like, but also how he talks to me because the way I hear his voice and the way Marty hears his voice. He's got, exactly right. <laughs> you may laugh, but that's true. It's true. How do you think people that come in this in their own language, you know? But then he'll use our senses as well to speak to us and to speak to us. And that can look different for everybody, as unique as what we are individually. The way he speaks to us is just as unique. And so some in that prayer life, it's actually cultivating that ability to tune in. And, he, and also not get locked into the fact that's the only way he'll speak to me. Because he, as we mature in that, he wants to expand the vocabulary. He wants to expand our, it's almost like we get bilingual, trilingual, quadri- whatever goes on after that. <laughs> but here's an interesting component. Do I stop and listen in my prayer? Do I actually not just go, hey God, how you going? And then I'm off. Do I stop and I listen for his response? Do I wait for his response? And that can sometimes take time. Cultivate the ability to hear his voice, but then also to stop my life to hear his voice. And then I had a really good question. Who actually dictates the conversation? Is it all one-sided? Have you ever in your prayer time gone, hi Jesus, how are you today? And what's on your heart? Because I've got a million and one things going on inside of me, but I actually want to put them aside for a moment and I want to hear what's going on with you, Jesus. Salah. It's epic. And one thing I was like in reflection on that particular question, because that's also a maturity thing as well. And when, especially when I was newly saved, it was, hi Jesus, how you going? This is awesome. I love you so much. You know, (laughs) it was very one-sided and he was okay with that. Totally okay with that. And then when you run out of words, he goes, now it's my turn to talk. <laughs> uh, so, how does our prayer life actually mature? Because whether you're newly saved or been walking with the Lord for 60 years, prayer life is not a static thing. It shouldn't stay the same. It should mature and develop. It should get deeper the conversations sometimes get harder the loving affectionately on one another overwhelms you even to a deeper level to your core being it shouldn't if you can if you can 
been walking with the Lord for more than six months. And if you can reflect on that, on your prayer life and going, how has it changed? And not actually seeing that it has changed, you might want to do a bit of a checkup on that. Is that okay? Yeah? Cool. And hey, this has all been challenging me, so. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So what does your prayer life look like? Dun, 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 dun. There's so many formulas and programs and do this, do that, do that. Um, so I'm just, I'm not saying do. This is just a sharing. Hello. Oh, gorgeous. Sweet. Yeah. Sweet. Yep. Yeah. Sweet. Um, what was I say? So yeah, what does our, what does prayer life look like? And it changes and it can change from day to day because sometimes it's this heart thing can get in the way of not being connected. And I think for me, my first priority is, is my heart truly loving on you, Jesus? And sometimes that can be like that. And sometimes that can be just a lot of time just remembering who he is until my heart comes into agreement with that. Um, and I'm not saying, I think I was talking to Rachel the other day, you know, you have your intentional time and then you have your connection time. So a really good way to, probably a word picture for that is me and Ian, he does long days when he's at work or when I'm busy at work or whatever. And we'll be texting each other through the day. How you going? What's happening? Checking in. Love you. And that's our little, our, we keep connected through the day. But then when we come together at the end, end of our day, we sit down, we have dinner together and we talk. And it's, oh, it's like, what's been happening? And it's more the heart talk then, you know. So like with God... There's that intentional time that is set apart, that is not with all these distractions. Try to, not with all distractions. When you've got young ones, it's hard. But God takes the littlest thing. Just remember that, mamas and papas. But for me, prayer, my prayer life looks like first because I want my heart to see him rightly. So it's thankfulness and worship. Thankfulness and worship. In worship, we come into agreement with who he is. It's word because you can not have enough word with the spirit. is just epically amazing. And prayer. And it's kind of scattered through, the, you know, like it mingles Sometimes, but I always try and start with thankfulness because I want that connection and I want my heart to remember who he is. One of the interesting things is, um, and it's probably a challenge for us in our world as such, because when we look at when we pray, we tend to go, when's convenient for me? And I had this thought just in worship, I felt the Lord actually challenged me on that, so I'm going to share it with you. Have I ever thought to ask him when he would like me to pray? Ask him when he would like to meet with me. My in, and I'm talking about my intentional time of the day. Because when I was a mum of three young ones, I had a real, and I'm talking about three, my youngest was four. So four, 
five and a half, six and a half. I had a real intense season of prayer. And I can tell you now, I don't, it was only by the grace and the mercy of the Lord because there's no way in my own strength that I could do this. But he would wake me up at three o'clock in the morning and I would go and be with him through till seven o'clock when the kids would get up. And it was like a two-year season and it was one of the most sacred and precious times. And it was like so many hours of just sitting there and just listening for his voice. Sometimes he wouldn't actually say anything to me, like he'd just come and be with me. And then during the day, it was like, of Holy Spirit. I'd go to the Holy Spirit. I'd go to the shops and he'd go, <laughs> he does talk a lot. <laughs> he does. And the thing is, is if we're not hearing him, it's on our end. It's not his end because he desires to connect with us. He desires for us to hear his voice more than what we desire, you know. And if we can't, and, and that's the thing, is like if we can't, can't say yes to that or even just that, that doesn't have a place to sit in our hearts, there's a belief that we have that isn't in agreement with who he is. Yeah? Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So how do I learn to listen? And I wrote this and it really, um, it really was heavy, like as in weighty. And it, I wrote, as we slow down to listen to God's voice, our souls are being recalibrated to heaven's rhythms. And you'll be amazed of when you take that time to connect with him. That, and I'm talking about the intentional and it's amazing, you know, even the sitting and asking him a question and waiting to hear his voice actually slows you down. don't know if you've ever noticed that. It's like because you have to stop and you have to wait. And, but what's interesting is our bodies slow down, like our physical bodies actually slow down. Our heart rate slows down. Our blood pressure comes to normal. You know, the, all these, it's all these dynamics of slowing down. It's actually for our benefit. So if you're really rushed and you just go <coughs> about stopping, take note of that because stopping to hear his voice deliberately and intentionally is really um, will benefit you in the long run physically as well as mentally, emotionally, spiritually, our whole soul, you know. And um, Sandra, when she was here, she mentioned this particular scripture a couple of times. I heard her mention it, and I was like, "Oh, I like that!" And it's from the Message Bible, and it's Matthew eleven twenty-eight to thirty, and it says, "Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it." Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I love that. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. There is unforced rhythms of grace if we can just step into them. And it is literally like a realignment of our lives. Hmm? I'm just going to read the same scripture from the Passion Translation because it's awesome in there too. It was funny even when I was looking at all this stuff, I'm like cross-referencing with different Bibles. I'm like, oh, wow, I love that word. Wait, where's that? 
And they're all really good. So was it? Are you weary, carrying a heaven, heavy burden? Then come to me. I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. So yeah, that's what your prayer life's meant to be, is an oasis. When you go about your day and it's rushing and it's, it's dry like a desert, it can be very dry for some people in their workplaces. So dry it's actually having, having a detrimental effect. He is your oasis. That time is your oasis. It will be a, a wellspring of life for you. Okay? And then it just says, simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, easy to please. Mm, I like that. He's easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me. For all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. <laughs> we don't have to complicate it. It's not meant to be complicated. Okay. Oh, it actually, in the footnotes, it says, bend your neck to my yoke. The metaphor of a yoke is that it joins two animals to work as one. That's us and Jesus, us and Holy Spirit, working together as one. It is not simply work or toil that is the focus here, but union with Christ. <laughs> one of the interesting things I find out about prayer when you slow down to take that time to pray is that the fruits of the Spirit are cultivated. Gentleness, kindness, meekness, peace. And then there's a toughie. It's obedience. It's obedience in our, and not um, meaning obedience in our response to him, not obedience to whether you do your time because that's religious religiosity how do we respond to the challenges of of what he asks us to do or what he says or what he wants to confront to confront in our hearts of maybe how we treated someone or something or the day before is do we lean forward into obedience or do we kind of like shirk it off like Sorry, I didn't hear that, Jesus. <laughs> Sorry, were you talking to me? <laughs> and then, how do we respond to the chastisement of the Lord? Because he loves his children and he chastises them. Um, I was, was going to share an experience. I've been chastised by the Lord once. I learnt very quickly, like, I don't want to go there again. <laughs> and I had done something that was... Um, harmful to Ian and and the Lord had been poking me about it for a while and he's like you need to confess you need to confess you need to confess and I kept on sorry Jesus are you talking to me <laughs> and every time I'd go and sit with him in prayer it's like you need to confess you need to confess sorry Lord are you talking to me <laughs> anyway it, eventually I did and it really hurt. It cut Ian to the core. And then I was so hurt. Like, as soon as I said it, it was like, oh, my goodness. 
that really hurts and not in the fact it hurt me of how much it hurt him and the fact that I hadn't told him even hurt more or hurt him more so anyway and then I felt the Lord just come upon me so strongly and he literally I could feel it and I could feel the weight of Ian's pain sink into my heart and it was like it was going into my heart and it was like it was going under and like getting deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and it was like it was so painful it was horrible and I was just like what is this and I'm like trying to breathe it was that but it was physically I could feel it and I'm like what is this he's like going I'm letting you experience the pain that you've caused Ian and I just started I mean I was already crying because it hurt but I started really crying and I started crying out to the Lord like from a pit that I didn't even know I had at that point in my life and it was I was like, and it was like, I was crying out, Papa, Papa. And it was like into my pillow because it was loud. <laughs> it's not everywhere. But it was like, I felt heaven shift. It was really, I've never experienced anything like it before, but it was like, almost like Papa went, yes. And I just went. <gasps> and I realized then, because I had, to, it's funny because he had already put, he already presented me with the scripture, you know, he loves his children and he chastises his children. So he was already preparing me for the moment because he knew it was going to come to head eventually. But um, how do we respond to the chastisement of the Lord? Because you will be chastised if for disobedience. It's, whether it's through natural consequence or whether it's the Lord confronting you on an issue and you deny, 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 like I did. So on a lighter note, <laughs> keep short accounts. <laughs> <laughs> it is worth it, I can tell you. It is worth it, I can tell you from personal experience. <laughs> uh, and you know what, so there's times, like there's literally there's times when I'm sitting with the Lord and it's like... God are you there you know and I know he is he always is but there's times when it's like I just it just feels like there's nothing much happening and it's probably in the last six months I've really felt Holy Spirit say I know how to get to his heart I know how Jesus would like to be worshipped and especially with the messages we've been having lately on giving him a worship offering that he that is right whether it's our discomfort or um, something out of our usual, you know, it's like Holy Spirit going, I know how to, I know how to do that, and it's like He's going, ask me, ask me. So I started asking Him, how would Jesus like to be worshipped today? And then He tells me, I know it's so simple, right? <laughs> See, we got the greatest helper of all time, and we sometimes don't ask Him the simplest of questions. Help me worship Jesus better. And for a few years, and these, these are little um, tips in a way. Um, there's been times when, I mean, you guys know that I'm a worshipper, but there's been times when I've felt that there's that, it's not a wall for, towards worshipping him, it's like this, I've gotten so far to the end of myself of worshipping him 
but I want to give him more and I want to pour out more. And so Holy Spirit, a few years ago, is like, ask me to anoint your heart for worship. And that's not just for the worshippers, that's for all of us. Because even our worship, you know, like, when you've been going this way and all of it, like, you've, you know, you've been on your track of, like, I've got this to do during my day, I've got that to do during my day, and then all of a sudden you look to him, you know you only really look to him because Holy Spirit put it in there to look to him. You think it was you, but it was not. <laughs> we live and move and have our being in him and we can do nothing apart from him. No, getting up out of bed in the morning because he gave his grace to do so. <laughs> he, woke us, he wakes us up every morning. So that's a really, um, I found that anoint my heart for worship. It's, it just takes me to a deeper place of yielding worship giving him more his due i'm in i'm i am his inheritance and he is mine inheritance you know and it's I just want to it is endless like he is endless and it's funny you know if we think we can only worship from our capacity as such then we're kind of like missing out holy spirit because his capacity is endless mm. okay so i'm going to talk about what hinders prayer so these are the things like when you don't hear back from God and but you don't it's not that you're not hearing him because he's just going, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. It's because it literally feels like there's a wall. Okay. Not fulfilling responsibilities. And in one Peter three seven it says, Husbands, you must in turn treat your wives with tenderness, viewing them as feminine partners who deserve to be honoured, for they are co-heirs with you of the divine grace of life, so that nothing may hinder your prayers. And I, don't, I like I read that, and it specifically like he's talking to husbands, and in the scripture, bef- like the just before the verse before, he's talking of, um, to women. He's addressing women and the way they adorn themselves in church and the way they are towards men. And I feel that it's not just for men in the way that they treat their wives. I feel it's those even um, in a position of responsibility to protect and cover others. So it could be mums to children, um, leadership to those that they serve. And it's, I feel like it's a, it's a bit like women, because Christ died, like when he died... It was to lift and honour the bride. You know, he always, he's always exhorting. He's always lifting up. He's the head of the church, but he, it was his position as such. He lowered himself to raise up. And likewise, men, that's what you do with your wives. It's like to raise them up. And same in leadership. It's to raise up. It's to lift up. And when we're not lifting others up, and I'm talking about we all actually have a sphere of influence. It's not just leadership in church. But we all have a sphere of influence. And when we're not lifting up, we're not actually taking our God-given responsibility to lift up. And I think the Lord actually sounds like, like, oh, hang on a second. Because his desire, he puts it within us to protect and honour and cover one another. And when that's negated, he's like, well, why aren't you? Because that's what I've given you to do. 
So I think when it says, um, and I think that can sometimes hinder our prayers. Does that make sense? Yeah? Cool. Another one is pride. He resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And pride can look different in different people. So even shyness is pride. Arrogance is pride. Shyness is because we don't want to be seen because what people might think or I don't think I'm good enough kind of thing. And it's actually a form of pride. And I was thinking about um, the reason why he resists the proud is because he knows you're going to keep hitting. It's like, you know, Pharaoh and Moses. When Moses would go and, um, and he was like, it was time for deliverance of his people and he would go and confront Pharaoh and the pride in Pharaoh would rise up in his heart and so he would resist even more and even more and even more and it was like it's like the Lord will resist our pride because at some point we'll break the pride will break and it's for our good that the pride breaks another area of pride is rebellion and it's kind of a heart that has made a decision to refuse to yield to authority and or instruction. And that can look different in different people as well. We can even do the actions, but our heart can still be in rebellion. <laughs> and it's really hard to hear and when we think we are right and we know more than what God knows. Okay. Our filters... And so our judgments and experiences can shape how we see him and therefore how he talks to us. So that one we're quite familiar with because with um, the Elijah House Ministry, um, it's the equation that, you know, the experience and judgments of towards a natural angry father will we'll tend to naturally see an angry God. So it's like we filter his words like condemning, angry, and they're not. And I'd really recommend prayer ministry if um, that is, you know, something that happens for you. And um, I was talking to a, a really good friend yesterday and we were talking about, um, he was just talking about when he prays, you know, just the, or just when he stops even, the stuff that goes through his mind. And so he's not getting the breakthrough in his prayer life that he'd really desire. And I said to him, I said, you know, when there's a lack of even prayer ministry <laughs> you know it's there and it's not just for like because sometimes we can see I had an outburst I overreacted to something and so then uh, that's a fruit of a root when there's a lack of something that's also a fruit of a root sometimes we don't see that so much because we may have never had it or we just think that's normal but there's actually a root to that as well so I'd say Prayer ministry. <laughs> Alrighty. And also with all of that, it just means that we can't see him rightly. And we want to see him rightly. We really do. And he wants us to see him rightly. Unveiled. Mm. Okay, so what enhances prayer? I think it's Ephesians. It says, prayers of a righteous man avails much. 
So my first, I think my first thing that stood out is pursuing righteousness will enhance your prayer life. And that is giving him lordship over ourselves. And so that, that's reflected obviously in our lifestyle. So what we spend our time doing, what we spend our time thinking on. Um, one of the things lately, and I've, been, I've told a few people about it, but um, false refuges. TV for me has been a false refuge for a while. It was kind of um, part of my upbringing. My dad would come home and sit on the couch and watch TV. So for me, when I feel overwhelmed, and it's probably been in the last six months that it's become really apparent to me, that when I get overwhelmed emotionally, I just want to go and watch TV because I actually can't cope with this and I don't know how to... And I'm like going, what's wrong? It's like, everything's wrong, you know. (laughs) What's right? (laughs) And it doesn't even have to be bad things. It can be just processing lots of information, which I've never had a problem doing before. It's really, it's quite odd. But anyway... um, it's what I realised in the process of dealing with that was that when we know that we're going to our false refuges, it actually allows shame to come in. And shame can actually limit our willingness to just sit there and be real with God. It's like, I know you're going to point this out to me, so I'll just avoid you. There's a bit of that going on sometimes. And then uh, another good thing that enhances prayer is fasting. Had to come out eventually. (laughs) And I was just going to read. Hang on a second. This is what um, Corey Russell wrote in his book. Simply, Simply put, there are realms of anointing and breakthrough we will not experience until we add fasting to our intercession. So this is, like, even though he's saying intercession, this is your personal prayer life as well, okay? Especially if you struggle to hear. This is really good. Fasting is like the turbo, I guess you could say. Okay, as Lou Engel once told me, it gives wings to our prayers. And then he writes to say, when Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days fasting and praying... He overcame the enemy's attack against his identity. It is the place where we cease to operate out of our strength and begin to operate in dependence on God. It increases the spirit of revelation in the word of God and it produces deeper communion and fellowship with the indwelling Holy Spirit. It awakens the spirit of prayer and helps us to grow in consecration and humility. It governs our appetites physically, emotionally and spiritually. It also humbles us and reminds us that we need more than physical food to sustain us. Finally, fasting prepares us for the, fi- the greater measures of the Holy Spirit. Then it says, in reality, fasting isn't about earning anything. It is about receiving. I want to make this clear. We cannot be loved by God any more than we are right now. The grace of fasting is God's gift to help us connect with the glorious reality of his love. Fasting will expose us. Hugely. Hugely, hugely. And I've got here. We don't have to wait until the church calls a corporate fast. Who noticed? I've heard it a few times. Who noticed at the beginning of did anyone notice or everyone's just like going, I will not publicly admit that. <laughs> they might have one. 
I thought it was quite funny because um, normally when we say, oh, we're going to do fast, you can feel the room go, huh. <laughs> yeah. uh, here's a little secret. You don't have to wait until the church calls a corporate fast. It is supposed to be a normal part of Christian lifestyle is fasting and I'm not and uh, please hear me when I say this hear my heart when I say this it's food like really like you're talking about the kind of fasting that's going to shift things and change things in us it is food and I understand there's health and you know health issues and stuff like that I understand that But sometimes we dilly-dally around and we don't take it seriously. I hope that wasn't harsh because it wasn't meant to be. It's not meant to be. It's, um, it's that I know many people who have fasted and extended fasts too I'm talking about and some of the greatest breakthrough we have seen in our lives, in our hearts, in our families has been with like proper food get rid of food fasts yeah and the funny thing is is your flesh starts to come into line with your spirit nature you know sometimes those things that you've been um contending with you might not even go to fast deliberate but sometimes they're the very things that are broken in that fasting Hmm. so and i so, another thing that enhances prayer is intentionality. It's giving time daily and consistently to him. And it's being generous with your time with him too, in that um, he is worth our time. He really is worth our time. And it's like when we do it consistently and we start to grow up spiritually and emotionally and all that stuff, is that we actually start to catch glimpses of the reality of heaven and they start to override our earthly perspective. And I really, um, and even like, I know this is a 101 kind of basics message, but there's something in when we're going into new territory, new places, um, higher levels of authority, prayer is our anchor. It may be 101, but it is a foundation. We will not weather the storms. We will not be able to cling together and to Jesus if we don't have prayer as a fundamental part of our day. And I feel really serious about that. Mm. Also, when we do it consistently... And, and in it we're pursuing his presence. Some things that are a bit of a given, so um, I'm sorry if I'm not very thorough as such. We actually become a place of habitation for his presence. Uh, that season I was talking about um, where I would just sit. Um, it was probably a bit after that, towards the end of where that season just, um, it, cha- it, shif- it, cha- it shifted and it changed for me and I hugged a friend and I, like I'd only seen her like two weeks earlier or something and as I hugged her 
she was just like, oh my goodness, there's so much peace on you. I've got three kids. <laughs> Living on five acres that needed lots of work. I had, we were going through what, the toughest time in our marriage. The, Ian was going through the toughest time in season of his life. And yet someone could discern that I carried so much peace on me. Like, I was like, really? Because uh, like, I didn't feel rattled, but I didn't feel like, yeah, man, I'm cruising. <laughs> How you going? You know, I didn't feel like that at all on the outside <laughs> or even on the inside. <laughs> but when you, when you dedicate that time, what he wants to do in you and through you will be rock solid. And other people that have discernment for his presence will go, ah, you've got something. They might not even know what it is. And then you start to see people that, who don't even know God, start to go, ah, you've got something. What is that? Tell me about it. I was listening to um, something the other day and he was talking about, mm, it was, I don't know if it was in the early 1900s, I think it was, and it was about a revival that started and they all it started was really was an hour of prayer a day and at the same time that happened and then all the businesses around started um there started to be a financial downturn in america this was anyway so more people started attending the prayer this person felt to do and it grew very quickly and it's like, you know, week after week, there was more and more of a downturn. So more and more businesses are, more and more businesses are going out of work, um, shutting, closing their doors. And so more and more people started rocking up. Eventually, it became nation. I think then it was like 30 um, places started hosting a prayer meeting at the same time through the nation. And then um, it became where businesses would literally just like, they would have an hour break, I think because it was from 12 to 1, so they'd have an hour break so everyone could Im be involved in prayer in the workplace as well. Even the president at the time would, everything stopped for an hour and he would pray. And then they were saying, because um, lots of immigrants were coming in by boat at the time, and they would be like 100 kilometres out to sea and the presence of God would hit them and shiploads of people would be repenting on the deck of a boat. Tell me something cannot be changed with prayer, right? That I was listening to that and I was like, so what we feel sometimes is so insignificant, that quiet place, because that's where it all starts, is not insignificant at all. Not at all. Hmm. All right. So that was, um, become, we, we will become a place of habitation. Forgiveness will also enhance our prayers. In Matthew 6, and it's like the Lord's Prayer, and it's, um, we've, we're told to forgive others as we are forgiven. And then just underneath it, it that when we don't forgive others, it'll be held against us by the Lord. And here's another one, serving others. Serving, when we serve others, it, it's like we put our, and now this is in a healthy context, okay? 
This is not denying my need or actually being in denial of my stuff. So I'll go help someone else with theirs. It's not that at all. <laughs> it's like I'm very aware of my need, but I see someone else with a need. I'm going to serve them. And I'm still going to deal with my need or my stuff, but I'm still going to serve them. And what it does is it actually produces a humility. Um, and in what Matthew 10.42, it talks about um, when you offer a cup of water to my children, you, there's, a, there's a heavenly reward for that. So that opens an access to the Father. Okay. Studying God's word. And I thought I'd just do a little example here. It's, um, so it's, and please, this is all in healthy context. This is not um, religiously kind of thing. But so I just got here the Beatitudes. So, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So, a prayer could be, it's like, Father, will you show me how poor in spirit I really am? Show me how much in you, how much in need of you I am. Mm. Because, because we've brought God down to our level so much that we think we're equal with him and we're not. And when we see something like that and we pray that, it's a, like a oh, moment of like, oh wow, you are God, I am man. Who am I that you are mindful of me? And that's not to produce condemnation, that's to produce awe and wonder. Awe and wonder that the God that, you know, breathed into mankind, who exists outside of time, stops to think of me and you. And every little detail of us, he knows. That's a real good starting point for worship and thankfulness. Yeah, and bringing the word of God into your prayer life is is important as well because it actually helps us to see His nature. We want to see His nature so we can see Him rightly. So how does that sit? Yeah? Yeah? Even like you've been praying for 20 odd years, it's still, it's still good to assess. Where am I at? Where are we at, Lord? Where is that part of our secret place at? Would you like to do more in there, Lord? Would you like a longer time, longer time frame in that, Lord? Ask him questions. All right, so corporate prayer. Now, normally um, what you would say corporate prayer is it happens when we physically come together, like, so, you know, our prayer rooms or Sunday morning, we physically come together and it's corporate. 
I was kind of like, I was thinking about that, you know, and I kind of just had this feeling that corporate prayer happens as soon as we start to carry a heart for our corporate body. Because prayer is a supernatural, has a supernatural existence. So it operates outside of time, location. So when we come together, um, even on the other Friday, the guys were here praying. I was at home. I just felt an urgency to pray, but I couldn't get up here in time because I live over half an hour away and it had already been going for 15 minutes. So I just like, all right, Lord, I just I stop before you. Holy Spirit, just join me to them. It's like doing Skype call, but prayer. <laughs> and I was actually able to like, and it's like straight away, it's like Holy Spirit's like, all right, this is what's going on. You know, and it's, it's like if you've been, sometimes if you can come into a room after everyone's gone and if you're still yourself, Holy Spirit will show you the residue of what they just spoke about, what was sung about, what he revealed of his nature, of his glory. Like, it's amazing. So even, even though I wasn't here physically with them, spiritually and in my heart, I was standing right there with them and I was fighting alongside of them. And it was funny because even some of the stuff that I was praying, because like when I caught up with them later, they're like, "Oh yeah, we went. Oh yeah, we went to this place, and then there was a shift." I'm like, okay. and then they're telling me what they were doing, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, it's kind of like what I was praying at home." <laughs> it's so cool. He so exists outside of our l- mental limitations. He's so much bigger. Okay. Also. I really do encourage but the physical getting together of prayer because it will also expose in us um, our belief systems. So when someone's saying, like, he is good, he's good, and like that, you know, from the pity of gut with full conviction, he is good. And if you have an issue with that, because you're not going to be praying that at home, you are good, like with the conviction, when someone else is standing next to you and they're going, he is good, he is good, with all their conviction, your heart's going to be going, I don't agree with that. Something within me does not agree with that. And so corporate is important, the physical getting together. I think in Ephesians, uh, end of chapter 10, it says, do not forsake the gathering of the brethren, the fellowship of the brethren. It's important, hugely important. And it's also a great place to learn prayer. Because sometimes when you're at home, you're like, especially when you're new and fresh at it, it's kind of like going, so, hmm, what did you think about the Eagles game yesterday, Lord? (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, sometimes it can be like, yeah, I'm here, now what? And so when you're with people that are more matured prayer for a while, you start to see things differently. You start to learn things. When I came to Paradox, I had been involved with worship and intercession. I had been involved with worship and intercession for quite a while beforehand. But when I started to come to Paradox, and it was like listening to Psalm 91 hiding prayers. Oh, my life was changed, literally. And it's so simple of that we're hidden, we're covered, we're tucked in. And it was like, I have not, why one? And I've read that scripture like heaps of times, but never thought to pray it out loud as a covering prayer as such. 
but my prayer life was changed after that because I was like, man, I can go gallivanting countrysides and feel totally safe with the Lord and with everybody else. You know, see, when you come corporately, it's like you learn different things, different expressions, you know, and it also um, creates connections with, uh, sorry, Luke, I'm going to use your example. Um, so, when we started the prayer rooms, the Monday nights is the one that I was foremost going to. We started, I was at September last year. And so, yeah, so it was me, Sherelle Grant and Luke kind of assigned together to lead it. Um, and so I've known Grant and Sherelle for quite a long time. But Luke, I've known like in, hi, how are you going? And that was about it. Yeah, and, you know, and they've got a young one, so, you know, he's in and out a lot and availability is not always there. But on Monday nights, like, say, what, it's been eight months maybe? maybe less, but it's like, I'd now call him a friend. I know him, he knows me. You know, and so standing next to each other on the battlefield, we <laughs> go, we're more than just acquaintances. Let's link arms, because there is safety in numbers <laughs> when it comes to corporate prayer and what you're dealing with. But it's like you get to see people, and, and that's one of the amazing things, is getting to see a side of Luke that I had not seen even like in this uh, arena as such. Getting to see his tenderness for the Lord, but his feistiness for the Lord, and his fight for men and marriages. Man, that guy fights for marriages in the prayer place. I've, I'm like, dude, <laughs> I think you might have a ministry in this area one day. <laughs> And I love this, like, for when you're learning, like Song of Solomon, and it's um, chapter 1, verse 7 to 8. And so the Shulamite woman is like gone, I don't know where you are all the time. Where do I go? What do I do? And his response to her is just follow my lovers. They will lead you to me. They know the way. Isn't that so sweet? And I find, I find even um, as someone that's been, you know, praying for a while and all that stuff, but there's times when I feel like I can't see him clearly or hear him clearly and that. And so I look to others that I know can. And I go, so like Rory might be encountering the Lord some way. I'll go, what is he doing? Bill Johnson did an amazing message on this uh, probably like 12, 15 years ago. And it was called Honouring the Point. And he was talking about... Um, when hound dogs, when you go out hunting and they take out two dogs and one will pick up a stubby, like sniffing, 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 one will pick up the scent and they'll take a certain posture. The other dog has not smelt anything but sees. The dog has now become the point and will take the same posture. Yeah, and, and will follow the lead of that, the lead of that other dog. Uh, that was like, dang, we, that is so true. So now, um, since then, I've learned... If someone's like got something going on, like, all right, Holy Spirit, what's going on with them? What's happening? They're in intercession. How can I partner with them in that? And I might not be seeing, hearing, feeling all the same stuff they are, but I'm coming alongside and I'm going, yes, you have my yes. You have my yes. I will stand with you and I will say yes. And that's why um, quite often you hear me go, yes, yes. And it's not necessarily because I've got it. 
It's because I'm coming into agreement with what God's doing in the room. And we all have that yes. And this is a little side note, but speak up with your yes. Exactly. (laughs) Like, it's awesome. You know, like, when you're leading worship especially, and you can hear a yes, it's like, I'm on it. We're going here. And I've got their agreement. And I'm not going on my own, running off ahead. They're with me. It inspires courage and bravery. And it's just like, we are going to conquer the lands with the Lord. Because I'm not alone. So speak up your yes. Get verbal with your yes. Okay? It really actually makes a difference. Yeah, get rowdy. You have permission to be rowdy. <laughs> I mean, is it quiet at your family table? <laughs> Not a <laughs> oh dear. All right. So now I'm going to just touch on some intercession. And I've got in here, it's, it is simply coming to, into agreement with what he wants to do. It is not, um, I put on here, it's not a special gifting as such. Jesus is the greatest intercessor. He's our mediator between the Father, um, before the Father, sorry, always. But he wants his co-laborers, co-heirs to partner with him. So he puts things on our heart so we can step into co-laboring and co-heiring with him. He wants us to partner with him in what he's doing. And what you'll find that um, I think people that have been um, labelled as intercessors, because I believe we're all called called to be intercessors. We all have the ability to come into agreement with what he's doing. I feel that intercessors are people that have actually dedicated themselves to learning how to put aside their own agenda, shopping list, prayers, stuff, to come into agreement with what he wants to do. They have stewarded prayer. They've stewarded the prophetic actions. Yeah, sometimes you're doing things and you don't know why you're doing them. Really? Fuck, this morning I'm sitting there going, from the deepest places we bring highest praises. My gut's only here. But there's more. In the spirit, there's more. So it sometimes looks like things and sometimes, it, you know, it can look a little silly. Yeah, clapping the trees. <laughs> the trees of the fields clap their hands. <laughs> and we should honour intercessors because they have actually prepared a way for us. But we are all called to be intercessors. The body of Christ, the bride, is they, the, bo- the bride of Christ is intercession. Our lives are intercession. You know, you know, you know. Even the fact that we go to work, have a house, bring children into that, the act of going to work, putting food on the table, is is like it's preparing a way for our children. Like I know it's physical. But our, we are intercessory. It's, our, it's, it's his nature, and so it's in our nature. Okay. So, just right here, um, intercessors as such, they've learnt discernment, tenacity, endurance, and how to contend. 
They've learned to pray until the burden is given back to Jesus. And sometimes that can feel like a burning passion, like all of a sudden you're passionate about something that you never thought of like before. And it's like burning and it's like, oh my goodness, we've got to do something about this now. <laughs> it can feel like a weight or urgency to pray about something in particular. So sometimes it can feel like a physical weight and burden at the same time. And you know that's been, when it's fully given back to the Lord, it's like it just lifts off suddenly. And it's like, oh. And sometimes you're sitting there going like, what just happened? You're seriously going, what happened? And for those that don't feel that they're intercessory, oh, I was just right here. I listen to Holy Spirit and then I pray it out loud. That is the basics of intercession. But it needs to be stewarded because it is a responsibility as well. And um, I find two really, I think, hidden, somewhat hidden examples is Anna and Simeon. So they're in Luke chapter 2. Actually, I might read them. I remember the first time I read, particularly about Anna, oh, it was just my heart was just caught up. Okay, so uh, 2.25. So this is when Jesus was taken up to the temple by Mary and Joseph to be dedicated as a, um, eight days after his birth. Okay. Or just a little bit more. Okay. It says, As they came to the temple to fulfill this requirement, an elderly man was there waiting, a resident of Jerusalem. His name was Simeon. He was a very good man, a lover of God who kept himself pure and the spirit of holiness rested upon him. How's that? The spirit of holiness rested upon him. Simeon believed in the imminent appearing of the one called the refreshing of Israel. In some other um, translations, it says the um, consolation of Israel. For the Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not see death before he saw the Messiah, the anointed one of God. For this reason, the Holy Spirit had moved him to be in the temple court at the very moment Jesus' parents entered to fulfill the requirement of the sacrifice. How would that be? You're just serving, 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 like ministering to the Lord, serving. It was, and he'd been doing it for a number of years. All to see the Messiah. That was the only reason he was there, because he knew he was going to see the Messiah. And so Simeon cradled the baby in his arms and praised God and prophesied, saying, Lord and Master, I am your loving servant, and now I can die content. <laughs> That's like what he was living, it's literally what he was living for, was to see the Messiah. What was that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> For your promise to me has been fulfilled. With my own eyes I have seen your word, the saviour you sent into the world. He will be glory for your people, Israel, and the revelation light for all people everywhere. 
Mary and Joseph stood there awestruck over what was being said about their baby. Simeon then blessed them and prophesied over Mary, saying, A painful sword will one day pierce your inner being, for your child will be rejected by many in Israel. And the destiny destiny of your child is this, he will be laid down as a miracle sign for the downfall and resurrection of many in Israel. Many will oppose this sign, but it will expose to all the innermost thoughts of their hearts before God. Then a prophetess named Anna, who was also in the temple court that day, who just happened to be there at the same time, See, this is what happens when you actually have a prayer life ministering to the Lord. You move in time with him. You will be in the right place at the right time. So she was from the Jewish tribe of Asher and the daughter of Phanuel. Anna was an aged widow who had been married only seven years before her husband passed away. So she was in probably mid-twenties, perhaps early twenties. She chose to worship God in the temple continually. For the past 84 years, she had been serving God with night and day prayer and fasting. Now, the interesting thing is, Simeon knew that he would live to see the Messiah, but it doesn't say that Anna did. Right? So when Simeon was prophesying over Mary and Joseph and the baby, Anna walked up to them and burst forth with a great chorus of praise to God for the child. And from that day forward, she told everyone in Jerusalem who was waiting for their redemption that the anticipated Messiah had come. When you're tuned in to Holy Spirit, you'll just know things. It's like even when um, Elizabeth, she was pregnant with John, heard the voice of Mary, and John did a somersault in her belly at the sound of Mary's voice. We're supposed to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, you know? Like, if we're living anything less, we are settling for less. We really are. Mm. I'm just thinking that's amazing. Okay. So they both had carried the burden for spiritually preparing the way for Jesus. Because what God wants to do on the air, it requires, he, he, it's the palm branches, I guess you could say, of prayer. Prayer is like the palm branches. Hosanna to the King of Kings, the Son of David. Our prayers matter because they are like the palm branches that prepare the way for the Lord to do what he wants to do in the earth. And I've just got written here, God has globally been raising up communities of Simeons and Annas and they will prepare a way for the Lord. Our primary focus is to minister to the Lord and pray that his will would be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Their concern is not for pursuing ministry, concern is not for pursuing ministry, but his face. Dreams will be birthed out of that place that will far surpass any design by man and they will be the answer to a generation that is, having, that is crying out to have God revealed to them rightly. I was listening to Michael Miller and some of that came from, like, was like, ah, oh, on what he was saying. And he's, he made a comment, he said, Jesus is being redefined. Like, you know, we could say he's a prophet he's more than a prophet and so as we're coming to see him more rightly we're seeing more aspects of him as well we're seeing more of his nature it's being revealed in us through us 
And it's also a fulfilment of Revelations 22:17, and it says about where the spirit and the bride say come. So we're preparing the way for his return. He reveals himself to his people first. He did it like through his prophets all the years and then Jesus was born. And now we are his people that he wants to reveal to for when he comes. He doesn't want to do anything apart from us, but we are apart from him if we don't know him. Mm. And so in all this, we help each other keep our eyes on Jesus and we esteem him as our first love. That above all of it, prayer, he's, that he, and that when we're doing corporate, we're going first love. We egg each, we actually egg each other and inspire, actually egg each other and inspire each other on that he stays as our first love. When you see passionate worshippers, it's like oh, they care. <laughs> I want to care. It's all right that it exposes that I lost him as my first love. It's okay. I repent. And I realign myself. Mm. Alrighty. I think that's time now. Let's all stand and we're just going to close in prayer. Mm. Mm. Jesus, we just thank you that... You are the greatest intercessor of all, constantly mediating on our behalf, constantly fighting for us. You are the loudest cheering us on. You are our greatest cheer squad, Jesus. Hmm. And we repent for when you've not been our first love. When the busyness of life has taken that place that should be yours, even in our dedication of time to our intentionality of prayer, we repent, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would anoint our hearts for worship. You'd anoint our hearts for prayer. You would anoint our hearts to become our that Jesus d- deserves. And I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would even speak to us about our own prayer life, of nurturing, of stewarding that space. That you would help us to assess where it's at. And we give you full permission, Holy Spirit, to dictate it of what it looks like, what it sounds like, when in the day, when in the night. And we just thank you for the gift of prayer. That it is a gift. It is a precious gift that we've sometimes taken for granted. So we give that language of love to you.
with all that we are. And we long to hear your voice. We long to hear your voice. We long to hear your voice, Jesus. We long to hear your voice. We long to hear your voice louder than ours, Jesus. We long to hear your voice. That our lives just be uh, just syncopated to your rhythms, to your timings. And Lord, where there's double binds of between work of the natural and of the spirit, Father, would you reveal them? Where people feel like pulled into, oh, I can't do that now because I've got X, Y, Z I have to do. I am afraid that if I give you three o'clock in the morning that I'm not going to make it through the day, to make it through the day. We give you our rights to our time, Jesus. You are worthy of our time. You are so worthy of our time. Lord, even as we go out from this place, that you continue to speak to us, you continue to draw us in, Holy Spirit, you continue to draw us back to Jesus. And we just thank you for everything that you've done this morning in the worship, in the prayer, in the, in the speaking. We just thank you. Amen.